Welcome to Household Hermeneutics, where we're going to take you on a journey through systematic and historical theology and help you apply it to your daily family life. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to our second ever episode of Household Hermeneutics. I, I'm really excited that we're finally doing this. This podcast, like we said last week, has felt like it's been in the works for pretty much ever. And so I'm just stoked that we're here and you guys are actually listening to the second episode. Yeah, I'm excited to jump into this because this feels like this episode feels like really the beginning. Yesterday, our last episode, we talked to you all about um, getting started. This episode, we're jumping into theology. Yes. So Jason, what are we chatting about today? Yeah. So like you said, we established in the last episode that this podcast is going to be all about studying the Bible and sharing what we've learned and applying it to the household. So of course, starting in this episode, that begs the question, how are we exactly going to go about studying the Bible? So like you just said, Jamie, the word theology, and I'm sure everyone's heard that word, used it themselves. It, it's usually what you hear when you hear about studying the Bible. And, and so that's the word we're going to go with. So what exactly does theology mean? So literally, theology means the study of God. So you could help that basic definition along if you expand it to say that theology is the study of the things of God or the study of God and the words that we use to consider him. So at the most basic level, when we're talking about theology, when you are doing any sort of study of the Bible, since the Bible, Holy Scripture is the word of God, then you're engaging in theology. Yeah. And uh, Puritan William Ames says, theology is the doctrine or teaching of living to God. Men live to God when they live in accord with the will of God, to the glory of God, and with God working in them. Yeah, those Puritans really have a way with words, don't they? That's so good. I just love that <laughs> quote. <laughs> well, so he elaborates then by saying the revealed will of God ought to be the rule for our life. And that's what we want out of this podcast and this practical, you know, translating this into practical living within our families is making God and his word and his character and us living for God, making that the rule of our life and really translating that into practical everyday living. And that is that theme coming out of theology. Yeah. And I mean, considering how important this the message that scripture has is, uh, Michael Horton has a really good quote about it. He says, the unfolding mystery of Christ, that this message of Christ who reveals God to us and reconciles us to him should be plainly seen. It should be plainly seen how studying theology should be a central concern for all Christians. So as we dive into theology, um, we shared in the last episode that we're going to be taking a very systematic approach to studying scripture, meaning we're going to kind of dive into one topic, dive deep and logically go through kind of the next doctrines and things like that. So as we are going through and setting up kind of the course of action of what episodes we're doing, we have the first 12 episodes completely planned out, and then we'll be kind of jumping into volume two after that. Um, we are going to be looking at four main kinds of theology. Well, this is what we're going to be using throughout this entire series. Right. These, these four kinds of theology. I mean, because really, when you think of theology 
at the highest level, it breaks down pretty much into four main sorts. There's, like you were just saying, Jamie, the systematic approach, which would be systematic theology, and then biblical theology, there's historical theology, and then there's practical theology. And now sometimes people will include others like philosophical theology, or they might even get more nitty gritty in the biblical theology section, and they'll have Old Testament theology, New Testament theology, that sort of thing. But for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to focus on these main four. And some of these words are just important for understanding uh, the approach to scripture. Um, some of them seem um, uh, easy to understand. Practical theology. Okay, I kind of get that. What is systematic theology? What is historical theology? So we're going to define in this episode today, we're going to define these different approaches to studying scripture. And these are not terms that we have made up. These are not our four categories. Um, these are the standard different approaches to studying scripture. So as you start reading um, more books, as you jump into commentaries, other systematic theology volumes, all, all this advanced theology stuff, you will start noticing these terms. And so it's very important to understand um, that when someone is writing about theology or coming from a specific viewpoint, that you kind of know how they're approaching scripture in the first place, the way that they're organizing it, because it can help you as you're understanding some of these doctrines. So let's start with systematic theology, which is, in my mind, the highest level category. It is the primary lens that we're going to use while studying the Bible for this podcast. And then the others will sort of fall in underneath it. Well, before you define what systematic theology is, what we're going to be doing is basically using a systematic approach to studying theology to order our podcast episodes. Yes. So the overarching outline of the episodes and what doctrines we're going to go through are going to start first from a systematic approach and then within each topic. So if we're looking at um, the Christ's deity, then we're also under that episode going to be studying historical theology and practical theology and biblical theology to see how these other approaches to scripture speak to this one doctrine. Right. Okay, so what is systematic theology? So according to Wayne Grudem, who is a professor of theology and biblical studies at Phoenix Seminary in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's the author of many, many books, uh, perhaps the most applicable here would be his huge and very popular systematic theology, uh, he says that any study that answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic, is systematic theology. You could put it another way, Ligon Duncan, who's the Chancellor of Reformed Theological Seminary and the Johnny Richards Professor of Systematic and Historical Theology, he says that systematic theology is, quote, concerned with showing that the Bible has one theology and to relate all its doctrines to one another as part of that one coherent theology. He then goes on to say that systematic theology studies the Bible topically, synchronically, and interrelatedly. It works on the collection, summary, interrelation, articulation, and application of what the whole Bible teaches on the major topics that it addresses. Okay, so on a practical level, systematic theology is when uh, we are taking scripture through through the systematic theology. Um, we are taking the entirety of God's word and trying to look at it and complete every element of his word, considering how it all fits together. So if we're looking at um, Christ's deity, we are not looking at one verse. We are looking at what does the entirety of scripture say 
about uh, Christ's deity and building our doctrine from there, looking at the entirety yes. of scripture. Yeah, I think a, a main purpose of systematic theology is to summarize every doctrine as it should be understood by us present day Christians. Well, so like another example would be angels. <laughs> How do we understand biblically what angels are, which yeah. is a kind of a hard concept. So in a systematic approach, we would look at the entirety of what scripture says. You'd look at every verse, every reference to angels. And that is where that doctrine is then built is from all of the references then. And so that's a systematic approach to studying angels. Exactly. And I actually have two different illustrations that will summarize really briefly that I think really helps to understand systematic theology and what it is. I got them off of a website that I thought was really handy. I will share the link to that in the notes. So first of all, imagine that you have several buckets in front of you and they're empty and each one is labeled with a different biblical topic. Like maybe one bucket says Jesus Christ. Another one says the end times. Another one says justification by faith, etc. You have a bucket with each of these sort of like categories that you could sort of you know come up with through scripture. So then imagine that you have a Bible in front of you and every part of that Bible that speaks to a topic on one of the buckets you have, you take that part out and you stick it in the corresponding bucket. So then you could take one single bucket, say the bucket on the end times, you could dump it out in front of you on the table and you could read and research all the parts of the Bible that touch on that topic. This is what we mean by a systematic approach to studying theology. You should expect that by studying every single thing in one bucket, that is everything that the Bible says on that one given topic, should help you to understand that single topic pretty well. Yeah, and then that's where we're gonna be bringing in um, things like church history and creeds and other, other things that are helpful for understanding these doctrines so that hopefully as we systematically go through these doctrines, um, we're also building out a full biblical theology yep. uh, as we go. Yes. So then the, others, the other illustration, if that one wasn't helpful to you, is to imagine that you're on this huge mountain. You're, you're standing on the top and down below you on the valley floor, all of scripture is laid out from Genesis 1 all the way through the last verse of Revelation. So in this situation, you would be able to identify all the passages that deal with one single issue, and you should be able to make connections between them to get a good overall picture of what the Bible says about it. So like I think I hinted at, at the beginning, this is my personal favorite way to study and understand scripture. I tend to think just generally in a very systematic way. And I mean, I just think that the thorough categorization and study of this is just very near and dear to my heart. It's just how my brain works. Yeah, it's a good way to approach it. But like I said, bringing in um, things like church history, which we're going to see from historical theology, can also help inform the formation of yep. these doctrines. And we're going to talk about that one well. in historical theology. Right, because it shouldn't just be, we don't want to, um, what a, a lot of modern Christians will do is pull out their Bible. Like we're saying, you're at the top of the mountain and you're looking at all these verses below. And in your brain, you're, go, you're like, oh, I see a connection here and here and here and here. And you morph together some weird theology out of what you think you're seeing. And God wants us to use our brains. We can understand scripture ourselves. Um, but we also need to make sure that we are seeing um, what Orthodox Christianity says as far as doctrines to make sure that, that we're in line also and make sure we're not just inventing these brand new ideas out of our own head. Like if nobody's ever thought of this before, 
that's a red flag. Like (laughs) we need to make sure uh, that we are yeah, in line. And so that's where the other practices can come in and help reinforce. And so I just think systematic theology becomes a really great framework for how we're going to dive into these, um, the different topics. Yes. And I I think this is a good time before we move on to define another term that I realize we've been using already quite a bit and you should already know what it means, but just in case we keep saying doctrine and a doctrine is what the whole Bible teaches us today about a topic. So systematic theology is basically concerned with researching and understanding and studying doctrines found in scripture. Okay, so now let's look at biblical theology and what that means. Sure. So to start once again with Wayne Grudem, he says that biblical theology, quote, organizes its topics historically and in the order the topics are presented in the Bible. So then he goes on to say, Biblical theology gives special attention to the teachings of individual authors and sections of scripture and to the place of each teaching in the historical development of scripture. Ligon Duncan says that biblical theology approaches the Bible from a redemptive historical perspective. That is, biblical theology studies the Bible chronologically, historically, or diachronically. It is the study of special revelation from the standpoint of the history of redemption. Okay, so how is this... How is this different? So biblical theology, instead of taking the whole of scripture, all 66 books, and sort of boiling it down to one topic, everywhere that topic is is discussed or mentioned or referenced. Instead, you're taking, say, a single book of the Bible, or even maybe a single passage of the Bible. Or you could say, what is it that Paul says about mentoring in his letters to Timothy? Like that would be biblical theology. You're searching on the topic of Paul talking about mentorship within two specific books. That would be an example of biblical theology. So if we were studying Proverbs 31 or Titus 2 to see what we can glean about being a woman from those, would that fall under Yeah, because you're looking looking at a portion of scripture, but in its own context, as opposed to over the entire scripture. So instead of saying, what does every place in the Bible say about this topic? You're saying, what does this one place in scripture say about this topic? Like, what does Jesus say about the way to salvation in the gospels? Instead of what does the entirety of scripture say about the way to salvation, if you found every reference? So it can be very helpful. And as you can see, it's a more like honed in. Yeah. And, and that's why, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes people will even break down biblical theology into like New Testament theology, Old Testament theology, because maybe they're looking at that's how they're kind of like cutting their scope down of where they're looking instead of just all of scripture. So biblical theology goes deep into the history, culture, and context of the passage that you're reading. You're just going verse by verse through the research. And then Once you're sure of your surroundings, you understand something about God. All right, so Jamie, let's look at historical theology. Another favorite of mine, and I know it's a favorite of yours. Yes, this is definitely a favorite of mine. I'm sure you can guess historical theology is looking at um, the history and uh, of the church and how doctrines have classically been interpreted and um, also looking at heresies that have cropped up. You know, I was I've been listening to a book um, this week uh, by Alyssa. What's her name? Alyssa Childers. Childers. Um, What is it? What is the book called? It's uh, Another Gospel. Another Gospel. Yeah, I'm the one reading it and Jason knows the name (laughs) of it. That's just, yeah, I'm tired tonight. Anyway, in it, she is talking about um, modern day um, 
uh, progressive Christians. And she's talking about how all of their doctrines are ones that it cropped up originally in the first and second century. All of their heresies are ones that have already been repeated uh, for 2000 years. And yet they act like these are brand new doctrines. These are brand new things that they're coming up with. And so it's just a good reminder to see both with doctrine we find in scripture and heresy that these are things that we, there's a long history um, of very smart people debating and interacting with. And so when we're looking at these talk the topics and these doctrines, we want to look and see what church history has said. And we don't look to church history as authority. We don't look to it as the final say. We don't give it equal weight as we do with scripture, but it can be a really helpful tool as well. And um, I have my bachelor's degree is in biblical studies and history. And so you know that I am all about that. Um, I took many church history classes for my degree. And it's something that as um, a mature adult believer, I still feel like I don't know enough about. And so it's something that I'm always wanting to dive into. Okay. So Greg R. Allison is a professor of Christian theology at Southern Seminary. And he says, historical theology is the study of the interpretation of scripture and the formulation of doctrine by the church of the past. Another good description of it comes from, how do I say this name? Um, Jaroslav Pelikan. Something like that. Sure. (laughs) Sorry, Jaroslav. (laughs) I don't know how to say his name. Um, Who defined historical theology as the study of what the church believes, teaches, and confesses as it prays and suffers, serves and obeys, celebrates and awaits the coming of the kingdom of God. Exactly. So historical theology boiled down is where you study what people have understood about specific topics and doctrines to what they should be throughout time over the entire history of the church. So, for example, you know, looking at historical theology is when we go study what um, Augustine and Aquinas thought about predestination. Uh, You can look back to the earliest church fathers in the second, third, fourth century who were so much closer to the original text to um, second and third generation eyewitnesses uh, closer to the accounts and seeing what doctrines they were already teaching. It can help clarify a lot. You know, we can look back and see um, the Trinity as a fully formed doctrine really, really, really early on and see that being repeated and taught already so that when someone says, well, scripture doesn't really teach about the Trinity, you can say yes. And the earliest readers understood what the Trinity was and was already teaching it fully formed doctrine. Um, So it can be so helpful to look at historical theology um, to see what was actually taught. Right. I love it. And that's one of the reasons why church history is one of my very favorite things to study. So I would get, I guess I would say that the biggest caveat for this form of theology is that we need to not put more stock in what church practice or tradition says on any given scriptural topic than what on the word of God itself says. Yeah. And so one of the things that I am really excited to do is dive into some of these topics alongside the doctrine. So for example, there's a lot of really interesting stuff on the Trinity, like I was just talking about. And so diving back in and seeing 
Um, it, it can give you a lot of faith and confidence um, in these doctrines when maybe pr- progressive Christians or those who are not Christians try to attack and say, oh, um, Jesus didn't even Jesus didn't even actually think that. And we can look back through history. We can look back through um, the councils and the creeds and we can say, no, the earliest Christians did believe this. This is what it was. Um, and it can be very it can be so good. Like we were talking about in, in the last episode, having a defense for your faith, having that confidence and not letting progressive Christians or atheists um, tear down our confidence in scripture because we don't know as much. Let's know more. And um, that's what we're going to attempt with a lot of these episodes, especially some of them that can be controversial, that maybe other religions believe differently on, um, that progressive Christians, that atheists believe differently on or that attack. Um, We're going to dive into these because the Christian faith is an extremely historical one. Um, It is one that has documentation, that has has all of this. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited to dive into those topics as well, because I think for our own edification, for our own education, these are really, really good to dive into. Yeah. So another good thing that can come out of studying historical theology is that it gives us countless exemplary instances that we can see of early Christians being persecuted, we can see their suffering, and even some being martyred for the faith. I think that this is such a good example of faith and love and courage and hope and obedience to God and his word. And that is something that's also really helpful to learn as Christians is seeing the long lineage of people willing to stand up even unto death for what they believe to be the truth. And that also comes out of of studying scripture through the historical theology lens. So finally, let's take a look at our fourth practical theology. Another commonly used name for this would be pastoral theology. And this practical theology typically concerns itself with looking at theology and applying it to real life in a practical way, hence the name. So it really is what's looking at how does this doctrine in scripture engage with culture and society? It's sort of the element of studying theology that we're going to be using here to help to see how these doctrines can engage with our family, with us as parents or and husbands and wives and how we're trying to teach and you know lead by example for our children. This is sort of that element. Yeah, so it'd be taking, you know, what Paul talks about with contentment and joy in the book of Philippians and saying, how does this apply to our households and our everyday life in the year 2021? And um, this is an important step to do because we want to make scripture personal. We want to have that application. Um, But this is something we have to be careful with because a lot of modern churches skip straight to the application. They read a verse and apply it to their life immediately. And in some cases, you're going to be okay doing that. But in a lot of places, you're going to butcher the original intention of scripture. So when we look at scripture, we have to first start with what would the, the, the original listeners, what would the church of Philippi have heard, what would they have heard that letter to the Philippians? What would they have understood that meaning to be? Once we understand that original meaning, then we can take the original meaning to then apply to our life. And so um, it's handling application and practicality in a careful way. We want to make sure that we're actually applying what scripture is actually teaching there and not just, again, inventing our own thoughts about what it is. (laughs) Absolutely. So associate professor of religion and theology Mark Bowold of Redeemer University College says, 
Practical theology begins with the full consciousness that all the practices of the church and Christians are underwritten by theologies, biblical, historical, and systematic. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. The goal of practical theology is to reflect intentionally on present practices and their ingredient theologies in order to critically discern their shape and character so as to deeper faithful practices, correct those which are sinful, and discern with greater clarity how to live out biblical Christian virtues. So I guess to bring this dive into theology and all of its various categories to a close, what we intend here is to study the Bible starting from a systematic theological way that's going to be kind of... That's our framework. Yes, that's the overarching framework. And then as we dive in, we're going to look at things also through a biblical theology and a historical theology lens. We're going to be specifically looking at what various passages say in a biblical way, as well as what did the church, what since the early church through the, through the Reformation, the Middle Ages, and even the modern church, how has that developed over time? How has it stayed faithful to, to the original meaning? And then finally, by the end of each episode, we are going to do our best to utilize practical theology to make application to the family. So as Jason and I have been studying and putting all this together, um, first of all, <laughs> we're fallible beings, right? So we don't have all the answers to everything Correct. by any stretch of the imagination. And one of the ways we're going to try to combat that fallibility is by, first of all, showing our work. So we're going to have lots of references and notes and stuff. So you can go investigate for yourself a lot of these things that we're saying. And then also we're going to give a whole bunch of resources so you can go deeper and learn from the experts. Right. Like our goal with this is not to tell you all the right ways and all the right doctrines. <laughs> no. Um, because some of these we're wrestling with and uh, deciding on ourselves. And I think theology should be a lifelong um, growth. If you believe exactly the same thing as you did when you're 18, by the time you're 89, um, maybe you haven't grown that much or maybe you had it all right at 18. Um, but I think it, it's all a, a long growth. And so, um, with these, we're not telling you the right way to think on these. We just want to help facilitate diving deeper into God's word. And there's things that um, us and you listening, we're going to have disagreements on. And we're not going to tell you in every single situation, every single thing that we believe in. Um, and we're just, we're helping to facilitate these discussions. Now, we are pretty fierce on heresy. We're pretty fierce on false religions, false doctrines. We will tell you our opinions on those things. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> We're and not. This is not loosey goosey in that way. Exactly. And then conversely, when there are multiple legitimate, historically orthodox ways of interpreting a certain topic, we will also do our best to present those. And right. we might even say uh, we think this one, you know, of A, B and C, A is the one that we believe to be true. But, we're, you know, we're going to be very. Uh, open and honest and very fair. I, I, we're going to try at least uh, for those. But like you said, if it's a heretical thing, not just an alternative, you know, orthodox view, we'll also point that out. Well, and I what I want to do is when you're diving into scripture, especially some of these theological topics that you've never studied before or haven't in a long time or have never understood, um, it can be really tough to find unbiased information on them. So when we were studying eschatology, we really struggled finding some overview resources that would just tell us what the views were. Like we wanted to go to scripture and figure out what we believed, but we needed some help, like knowing what the main 
four different views were. And we ended up having to research and read so many things, which was fun. But like to even just understand what the four what the four things views were, it was really difficult yeah. because many of the things we'd listen to, they would talk for two seconds about the other three and then just tell you their spiel on the one they believed. And yeah. then it was like, well, I don't still don't even understand what the other three are. And, and I think it made that, it hard. Yeah, that goes into just bias when when you have a clear opinion on the right one then it's easy to kind of sell the other short, even as you're just trying to explain them. So what we found and what we're doing in our study for many of these topics is that you try to read a proponent of each view right. to actually understand it. Because if you read one person who believes X, and but he's also explaining what Y is, his expl explanation of why is going to be much poorer than an actual proponent of Y's will be. So if you try to actually learn from the people who actually hold the views, then I think you can actually get a fuller understanding of the different sides and then can actually, I think, more accurately and fairly come to your own conclusion. Well, and I think it's helpful. Like when we grew up in our Christian tradition with one eschatological viewpoint, and um, that was the only one that was really talked about. And if the other three views were talked about, it was kind of in hushed tones, like those crazy people over there that believe the other three. Like it's not really no one does. And like we just didn't even realize. And so as we started reading more widely and Jason, and I are not ignorant people like but as we kind of got out of that bubble and started reading more, we were like, whoa, like. More than half the theologians we read from don't agree with that viewpoint of eschatology. What? Like, and so it's just really helpful. And I think it can be so helpful to look at some of these other viewpoints as well. And so that's what we're going to kind of attempt to do is, you know, with baptism, we're not going to tell you the right way to baptize. Um, there are disagreements between professing evangelical Orthodox Christians who yep. are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we do not question their salvation, and yet they have completely different views and modes of baptism. So in the baptism episodes, we're just going to tell you what the, not pros and cons, but what the, uh, what do you call it? Like the, where they get it from. Yeah, the, their argument based on scripture. And the holes maybe in each of the arguments. Exactly. Because um, with baptism, guess what? Scripture speaks a lot to both sides, and also there's holes for both sides. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to talk about those, and we're going to give you more resources then for diving in more as a family. Um, and so that's what we are very excited about. So the entire point of this topic is knowing and understanding God more so that we can transform our own hearts, so we can teach our children. Um, we want to be serious students of God's word, and we want to make sure that we're sticking to Orthodox Christianity and not being blown around by whims. Like we want to make sure that we are rooted and grounded in God's word um, and that we have confidence in that when we encounter skeptics or probably when our children do. Um, we want to make sure that they know and that they are not like, wow, my parents believe some crazy things. Right. No, actually, let's talk about the history. Let's talk about the science. Let's talk about apologetics and how... Um, our faith is amazing and so rooted and grounded. And um, we just we we can pass that on to our children. And that's what yeah. we're so excited about. Well, and so Wayne Grudem ties this into the Great Commission, which I really which I really appreciate, because he says the basic reason for studying systematic theology then is that it enables us to teach ourselves mm -hmm. and others what the whole Bible says uh, thus fulfilling the teaching part of the Great Commission. I mean, because that is 
Jesus to his disciples, he says to go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them these things and, and baptizing them and all those things. That is a primary part of a Christian's task here on earth. And I think what Rain Grudem is meaning here is that like teaching, it doesn't just have to be others. We also need to teach ourselves. And I really like that. Yeah. And then Michael Horton says, by questioning and testing our interpretation of God's word, we come to know what we believe and why we believe it so that the grammar of faith becomes our own language of worship through which we interpret all of reality and live in the world. Exactly. So an important note when it comes to this teaching and learning that we're going to be doing, and hopefully you're going to be coming along with us to do, is this, that being a student of God's word does take time. We need to make sure that we're investing in our study of him and taking very seriously the commands that we find in scripture or in in raising and training our children in the Lord. So I want us to be open and honest. Jamie and I are not trying to sell this as like, We're going to do the hard work and it's going to be easy for you guys just (laughs) to listen and be like, oh, now I know all these things. Great. We are hoping to make it as uh, simple and and digestible as possible. We're trying to do some of that hard work and, and, and then sort of like gather around all of this data and information and present it in as understandable a way as possible. But the fact is that it is a hard thing to do in our busy modern lives. Um, So we have to carve out the time for it. We have to carve out the time to be in his word. Um, It takes a lot of time to disciple our children. Uh, It takes a lot of sacrifice and we don't always make that right choice. We get busy and flustered and impatient and um, we don't always take that time that we should um, to disciple and train up our kids. And um, even as a married couple to be growing in our faith together and um, making sure that we are just really laying that foundation in our family, that Christ is that foundation. And that takes time and it takes work. Um, And yet it is the most valuable thing that we can possibly do. Exactly. So with that in mind, let's all commit right now, us as well as you listening in the third chair, to putting in the time and effort to studying God's word and teaching our families. Because at the end of this age and the end of our own lives, this is really all that truly matters. So since we're beginning to actually dive into a particular uh, topic of study next episode. And yes, I'm excited. Yes. And at the end, I'll have Jason read out what our next 10 episodes are. Um, we are going to conclude this one by sharing with you um, kind of the presuppositions that we're going into this with. So what are we already presupposing before we head into this? Sure. So we're going to be studying and sharing with basically our foundational assumptions First, that the Bible is true Mm -hmm. and it contains the ultimate truth that all other truth is measured by. And so we're actually going to establish that. I mean, you know, scripture and, you know, bibliology is what we're actually going to be talking about first. So it's one of the first things we're going to work on establishing in a biblical manner. But right, we're going to talk about the doctrine of that. Yeah, but But that is where we're operating. Exactly. Is that scripture is authoritative. And yeah, exactly. That is how we're approaching it. Mm -hmm. And then second, that the God of the Bible does in fact exist and that his character is exactly how the Bible describes him to be. It's not something that's I mean, there are elements of him that are inexplicable and unknowable. But for the most part, He is very well defined, a lot of his attributes in scripture, and we do believe that it's a real, actual God who lives, and that is how we're approaching this entire study. We talked about this last week, and so I'm not going to belabor it here, but Michael Horton says that the older theologians of the Reformation and post-Reformation eras 
were so convinced that their interpretations of Scripture fell far short of the majesty of God that they called their summaries and systems, quote, our humble theology and, quote, a theology for pilgrims on the way. And so let's not be arrogant or just, I don't know. I mean, it's it's almost weird to say being arrogant in in understanding theology. But it, it is true that, like, we, first of all, are fallible human beings. We can't know a lot of this stuff, like, without having, you know, any sort of thing that should give us an arrogant feeling about it. And humility is a biblical concept. And so let's go into this like the Reformation and post-Reformation theologians, just knowing that we are falling far short of God's actual truth, even though we're doing our best and that we're just pilgrims on the way. Well, and this gets into being divisive as well. And when you start getting into, um, sadly, in a lot of conservative circles, people can get very, very divisive over doctrines. You'll see churches split over very minor doctrines. And I'm all for going to a church that you align with biblically, who, you know, you align with those doctrines and everything. Um, but I, Christians can just get um, argumentative and mean even when our fellow Christians, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ uh, disagree with us on certain doctrines. And I think the more knowledge you have, the more you grow in that, um, maybe the easier it is to get that way or to feel like other people yeah, whatever, just just to get divisive. And so I think that's really important to to talk about, because when we did our eschatology series on my podcast, one of the Q&A questions we had, we got several times, was asking if like this had caused us. We had changed. We have changed our eschatology, um, our eschatological viewpoint in the last two years. So we now think very differently on eschatology than we did. And so we had a lot of people asking, has this caused issues in your family or with close friends? Um, has this caused arguments and fights? And we were like, what? No, but that is such a common thing that people can get so fired up on something um, that is not a primary doctrine that um, we just we just need to be really careful. And that really comes down to pride, feeling like we need to argue for what position we think is right. And I am all for healthy debate and talking like Jason and I, if you are like, hey, so I heard you believe this now you want to talk about it, Jason, I'd be like, OK, because we love that. So I think having healthy conversation is fantastic, but let's make sure that we don't have that pride in there. Um, and that there's not that argumentation. And if somebody else wants to argue, just leave it and let it go. It's okay. Uh, people can get fired up about some of this exactly. stuff. Exactly. I totally agree. Okay. So as we wrap this up now, the next episodes are going to be more fun. I promise. Um, Jason, why don't you share with us kind of the breakdown of season one of household hermeneutics? Sure. And so we'll give you the overarching season one, but then we're also, I have the next eight episodes, like much more in detail broken out for you. So let's start with those. As we've already mentioned before, we're starting with the Bible, God's word, Holy Scripture. That is very foundational, I think, to the entire discussion of theology is, you know, for studying this book, like why? Why do we put so much emphasis and importance on this book? So our very first episode, which will be episode three, will be exactly on what is God's word, why we're starting here, and its revelation and its inspiration. So that is what we're going to be talking about next week. Then we're going to talk about the authority and inerrancy of scripture. So we're really going to go into why we should believe that it's actually authoritative and also that it is inerrant. And then we're going to move into talking about the canon. Probably will be two episodes. We're going to talk about the formation of the canon, why so certain for these books episodes. were included, why certain ones were deemed non-canonical. 
And then we're going to move. By the way, Jason was like, we only need one episode on the canon. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We need two episodes on yep. the canon. But that's going to be great because we're going to really dive into um, the history of it. And we're going to talk about why we have the 66 books that we do. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. This is my history nerd coming out. Um, but it's going to be a good Interesting topic, I promise. Yeah. And I think the, the most crucial point we're going to try to make with those is why we should actually trust that those 66 books are the truly inspired and inerrant words of God and, and and that there aren't, you know, some fluff ones thrown in there that we actually should have problems with or something like that. Or, that or God some forbid books. that some were missed, that they should be part of the Bible, yes. but they weren't. So then we're going to move into talking about Bible translations. Uh, ancient and modern. That will also probably be two episodes. We're going to talk about how it went from the original Hebrew and Greek uh, and the and the earliest like copies that we have of the scripture and the, the Septuagint and all of that. And then also then modern translations, starting off with the King James version all the way up through, you know, today with our modern versions. And we'll definitely include some of our favorites because we definitely have favorite translations to study from. Well, and we're going to talk about why we can trust our English versions or, or some of them. Um, and we're going to talk about there's a million and 50 English translations nowadays. And how do you sort through all of them? And why do they translate verses so differently in some ways? Um, and we're going to talk about what the different approaches that they take to biblical interpretation because they vary very wildly. We'll definitely um, also touch on the whole king james only controversy yeah i guess you call it a controversy because <laughs> there are uh believers out there who are very firm on that and then there are believers out there who say you know it's a great translation but it's not the, the only, only one and so we'll talk on that as well and then we're going to move into uh, some more elements of the nature of scripture we've already talked about its authority and inerrancy its revelation and inspiration so we're going to circle around and we're going to talk about the clarity of scripture, the necessity of scripture, and the sufficiency of scripture. So that's going to be an That'll episode. That'll all be one episode. And then we're probably going to cap off our whole talk on bibliology, on our obligations towards scripture. And, and so basically, like, now that we have this understanding, this establishment of scripture, what it is, you know, and why we should care what it says. And we're going to move into what that means. Like, how does that actually work out in our lives and into the future of this study? Yeah. And then after that, our next part we're going to move into um, is theology proper, which is the study and the doctrine of God himself. Exactly. So we're starting here. We debated. Do we want to start with God? Do we start with the Bible? Like it's chicken or egg situation. No, um, <laughs> we were trying to decide which one to start with. And ultimately, we decided to start, even though we felt like we need to start with God, we decided to start with the scripture because that is where we learn about God. That is where we need to make sure that we trust in scripture's authority, that we see how it has been so carefully preserved through the generations, that we trust our Bible, our modern Bible translations, that we see that God's word is authority, that it is sufficient, um, that we see all of that so that when we read about God's character and who he is, we believe it. And we have that firm foundation then yes. in what God's word is before we then jump into the doctrine of God. And within that, I don't have an actual episode breakdown because we haven't gotten that far yet as of the recording of this episode, but we're going to be talking and and, and researching biblically through uh, a lot of God's attributes, his, his righteousness, his love, his mercy, his providence, you know, uh, his sovereignty. And we're going to, oh, they're going to be really good. Yeah, I'm ones. very excited for mm -hmm. them. And I should have said this even at the end of the, at the bibliology ones, but with all of these episodes, 
like we said, it is very important to us that we're going to be tying them back into why this matters for you and your family right now in this time that we're living in. And so this is not just, a, a, you know, an intellectual exercise so that we can, you know, check off a box that, yep, we, we've gotten smarter today. Nope. We actually want to do things with this information. And that is what we're going to try our best to go with on every single episode. Right. And of course, at the end of each episode or the, the second episode of each week, we are going to have our family discipleship episode um, to kind of help facilitate teaching this within a family worship setting for the whole family. And this will cap out what we just talked about, starting first with God's word and then God himself. This is going to cap out volume one of our household hermeneutics book. We're going to be covering Christ or I mean, I'm sorry, the what what are we what are we calling it? We're calling it God, God and, and his, his word. word. That's right. God and his word will be volume one. Volume two will kick off our next season. I don't know. We we had planned it out. And now I don't remember in front of me. I, but I we're going to be jumping into. It probably will be Christ and his church. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, my gosh, that's good. So, so yeah. volume one, God and his word. Volume two, Christ and his church. That is awesome. Yeah. And um, that's going you know, really far down the road. We're so talking next year. Hopefully that is where we're at. But if we change it, it's for good reasons. Uh, <laughs> so I am really excited to dive uh, into the next episode. We're going to really be starting at the beginning. So if you're if you're a newbie with all of this stuff, don't worry. We're going to start really basic. But if, if you're not a newbie, it's still going to be really fun and engaging. And I think with all of this theology stuff, like we can never cover it too many times. Yeah. So even if you feel like you've read this, that you know this, um, um, even for us studying it and then writing out notes and then rereading the notes and then recording it each time it was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Like <laughs> exactly. That's really important to remember. Yep. So we can never go over this stuff too often. So yeah. we are very excited that you're coming along on this journey with us. And um, make sure you listen to the family discipleship episode sometime this week with your family. Uh, yep. If you have kids, listen to it with them, because that's really what it's aimed for. Yep. And then we'll see you guys back here next time um, where we're kicking off our eight part series on God's word. Yes. Can't wait.